0: Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Brandy Interpreter podcast. I have no idea where May went. Seriously, this month just flew right by... And next week is already the last week of May 2021. So that is insane to me. There's been so much going on, so much planning behind the scenes, uh, and just so many exciting things uh, that are just waiting around the corners. So I'm so happy that you decided to join me today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today, I've brought a guest all the way out from Ireland. Alex Chernenko joins us all the way from Ireland today. He is the CEO and founder of Translit, an Irish language solutions provider that offers interpreting and translation services in over 120 languages. Alex is a Sparassi certified interpreter and used to speak six languages with an interpreting career that spans almost two decades. Since the Ukraine native arrived in Ireland in 2003, he worked with all the top language service providers before setting up his own business, Alex's previous roles also included localization and IT, and he is an expert in both fields. He founded Transit in 2009 and is determined to help interpreters find their feet again after a tough 2020. Join me in this conversation to learn more about Alex, his story, and how he's disrupted the disruption in interpreting. So, without further ado, here's Alex Chernenko. Alex, welcome! I'm so glad to have you here today. How are you,
1: Miria? Thank you for having me. It's it's a very good day. Finally, the spring came to Ireland. It's sunny, so you know, looking looking forward to the weekend.
0: Yeah, what is what is it like nowadays in Ireland? Let's talk about that a little bit because this is the first uh, person. From Ireland, in Ireland, that I have on the show. So, talk to me a little bit or share with us what Ireland is like nowadays, right now.
1: Yeah, well, it's been rainy and gray, but for the for the last two days, finally, we are getting the spring. So it's nice and sunny. It's warm, and I think uh, the whole uh, kind of world is is just opening up to to the end of lockdowns. Uh, Ireland is the longest lockdown in Europe. In case you didn't know, we already are more than two hundred. 20 days i think the lockdown so it's it's been it's been tough Oh wow! Uh, most of the places are still closed, but uh, in May, things are expected to resume.
0: To resume. Yeah. Oh, wow. That is long. That is super long. Amazing. Alex, let's get started with um, a little bit about you. I enjoy always digging a little bit into uh, my guest's past, particularly your childhood. So if you wouldn't mind taking us back to your childhood, as a kid, do you recall what you aspired to be when? you grew up?
1: Yeah, that that changed uh, a number of times. When I was uh, really, uh, really small, I wanted to be a a cosmonaut or an astronaut. You know, I want to be uh, flying to the moon and possibly other uh, planets. But that was like uh, up until the age of five. Uh, Then I wanted to become um, maybe an engineer. Uh, My father used to, was working in the construction industry and I was kind of looking up at him. Then my grandfather was a farmer and I was helping him. So at some stage, I was also looking to continue working at a farm. But then when computers came up, I actually realized that this is what I enjoyed the most. Uh, It's computer technology that really got me passionate and I started learning it. And when I was exposed to the languages, then I realized I have another passion, which is languages. So kind of the two things, computers and and languages have been then, you know, uh, clear in my mind that that's where I would like to pursue my career is learning about new technologies, uh, applying them, being on top of uh, trends and what's coming out and learning a new language, pretty much adding it every year or two.
0: Yeah, around what age do you recall um just getting a little bit more in touch with the whole computer side of things? Do you recall was were you already a teenager or were you still young at a pretty young age? Yeah, it was
1: around teenage time, so it was around the age of uh 13. 1315, 15, when that realization happened and the language came uh, a little bit earlier. So I was exposed to languages at the age about 11. From that, I, I started learning English and, and adding more languages. And uh, at some stage, I was speaking six languages. Uh, actually, an, uh, an interesting story would be to share with the audience is that I actually changed 13 educational institutions in my life. So including primary school, second school, my parents used to travel. Uh, working on different projects. And uh, me and my sister, we were traveling with parents. So, you know, I've been kind of changing schools throughout my life. And when that was not maybe comfortable and I had to get new friends very quickly, but that exposed me to uh, so many new networking and connections and having to learn fast. That's probably the skill that I learned. So yeah. so at the age of 15, uh, I, I changed the school and I had to study actually in English. So all the science subjects, including math, biology, chemistry, they were in English, and the humanitarian subjects, they were in Romanian language. And I didn't speak that language at that time. So I had to learn it very quickly in order to be able to study other subjects, which was another challenge. You know, you have to learn a language to be able to to continue to study. But the language is something that came to me quite easily. So I didn't really need to make a lot of effort. That's how I realized, you know, it was just, I was just a sponge absorbing them.
0: Yeah. And then in terms of the the computer interest, what about it would you say is what intrigued you? Like do you recall what it was that you really liked about that?
1: It's basically the disruption to the world that computers allowed us to do new things, computing, programming, and uh, solving the problems and doing things such quicker than we could do before you know the abundance of information the ability to learn over the internet it's, it's you know there's so many benefits that computers brought to our lives and i was just impressed by that and i uh, i enjoyed the hardware i enjoyed the software and later i actually completed uh, my degree as a computer engineer because you know i wanted that to be part of my career
0: That's so great. You had such a, just a a kind of well-rounded upbringing. It sounded like, you know, first with your dreams, obviously, as a kid of uh, shooting for the stars, right? Uh, Going to the moon. And then you had an engineer dad, and then you had your grandfather as a farmer. So I feel like it's just so interesting how you had all these different experiences. And then of course, you know, you're super interested at a young age, in computers. And I love how you spoke about the disruption that a computer brought, you know, all of a sudden this, this new type of uh, technology and the way how information is going to be brought um, to the world. And that at such a young age, that's something that spoke to you and that sparked you. What's a favorite childhood memory for you? Uh,
1: well, that that probably would be a farm and a lake. You know, when when we were away from big cities, from all the noises, and it was open fields, everything uh, green and wild. And we would sit uh, in the evenings with uh, having a family dinner, and then you wouldn't even hear a car passing by, and you would kind of look further. There is a lake, there is mountain. So I really can enjoy. I think the countryside, and that's probably where I wanna get back when i get older you know i wanna you know have a have a house somewhere by the by the lake by the water and just to have maybe a less city alive experience which uh, nowadays uh is is quite uh quite a trend i would say
0: with yeah. everybody
1: running around
0: no kidding yeah i think we could all relate to that less uh, noisy and uh, less activity is definitely something that i too, can foresee in my future <laughs> at some it's, point. It's,
1: there is one thing I, I kind of, I, I came up with There, there are people are talking about work-life balance and it struck me one day, why work goes the first word? Why don't we say life-work balance? Mm. And that's the way I usually say it, you know, when, when when I refer to this phrase, I always say life-work balance and then people try to correct me, you know, and I say, no, no, it's actually life-work balance, not the other way around. <laughs>
0: I like that. I might have to start incorporating that. Words do have power. So uh, it just kind of puts things into where you have your things lined up, right? What are your priorities? So that's that's a good one. We should start exactly. doing that here too. <laughs> yeah, Let's well, apply if, it.
1: If, if this will be spread to your audience and somebody incorporates it, you know, I'll be very happy.
0: Yeah, let's let's uh let's use the Alex mode of saying it. Let's do the life work balance because absolutely I think that our personal stuff should come first. Um not to diminish, you know, what we do obviously, but um there should be more priority on that personal aspect too. I completely agree. Um let's talk Alex now about your inspiration behind becoming a language professional, because you spoke really quickly about the fact that you got introduced to, uh, you know, the, the world of languages first with the English language. And then you happen to mention that you spoke up to six languages. So when did that happen and how did that come about? Well, uh, I
1: was born in Ukraine and uh, Russian and Ukrainian were my mother tongue languages. Then English came about. And then at the age of 15, as I mentioned, I, I uh, changed school where the education was in English and in Romanian. So I picked up Romanian and that college was also teaching Turkish. So I learned Turkish. And then when I came to Ireland, I took German as a as a new language. So that's kind of how the the progression of languages happened and uh, kind of starting working in the language field. That happened around the age of 16. So I was uh, helping my aunt. She had a solicitor practice. So she had uh, clients who would require, you know, typical translation of documents. Sometimes they would need to speak a different language. So I kind of started practicing translation slash interpreting skills at the age of 16.
0: Oh, wow. Because of the aunt. Uh, now, I, I'm just curious, you know, at such a young age, I'm always interested in knowing, like, if you even recall what the thought process was behind learning so many languages. Was was it just fun for you because it was easy for you to pick up the new languages? Or were you actually thinking at some point, I'm going to use this professionally?
1: Yeah, well, at that stage, it was just coming to me naturally. I didn't think of it as a career. Mm-hmm. Uh, i was i was gonna quite focus on the computer side of things i was you know pretty certain that that would be my uh my pr- profession uh, when as, as i was grow up uh when i started considering it as a profession it would be already in ireland so when i when i arrived here that was back in 2003 and i started kind of as a i was a student at that time so i was trying different jobs i was uh exploring myself and making making money. And then uh, I saw this opportunity that I could work as a freelancer and as as languages were is to me, I thought I would give it a try. I would try myself as a translator, as an interpreter. I've already been doing it, practicing uh with my aunt for the for the for the last two years. So kind of between sixteen and eighteen, I was practicing without considering it really a profession maybe doing a favor for my aunt let's put it this way
0: right, And right.
1: At, at the age of 18 when i arrived to ireland that's when i kind of thought okay well i could actually make a living there was not that many foreigners in ireland i arrived 2 years before the expansion of european union you know like in 2005 uh, european union opened up and we've seen influx of uh, baltic countries to to Ireland, but before then there was very few of us. There was like you know you could count <laughs> Eastern Europeans uh, on on a pair of hands uh, in the city. So there was a demand, and uh, and you know I I took a chance and I started working for every every major language uh, provider, including Lionbridge at at that stage in in Ireland. And very quickly, uh, they were impressed with my quality uh, and ability to kind of both translate and interpret. And that was when I said, well, actually, you know, it's something that could make me a living. And I started actually uh, looking at it as a profession rather than just a hobby. But initially, it was a hobby and something that came to me easily.
0: While this was happening and sort of developing on its own, what was happening with the whole computer side? Was that something you were still continuing in your studies?
1: Yes. Uh, I. You know, For the four years, I was doing my bachelor's degree in computer engineering. So I, I've been continuing learning uh, to program and practicing uh, having this side job as a freelance translator and interpreter.
0: Mm, I love that because in a minute, we're going to talk about how you ended up joining these two knowledges together. But before we get there, share with us what has been your biggest challenge or one of your biggest challenges during your career? Yeah,
1: well, it was a little bit later. Uh, I, I think the big, the biggest challenge in my career was when I decided to work for myself. So after working for a number of years, so between 2005 to 2009, for four years, I was actually doing uh doing well in terms of translation interpreting working for all the other agencies out there gaining the knowledge and uh in four years i actually accumulated a number of clients who would prefer to work with me directly rather than to go through the agency by which i was hired so can i to sound that in nine i made a decision to actually commit to work for myself because of you know the, the clients were actually advising me to do that it's like why are you getting paid pennies working for for the agency when we could give you the project directly uh, and then i realized i would actually you know quit working for others decide to work for myself and that was in the worst time of history that's when the recession hit ireland at its worst mm. uh 2009 so i kind of said okay now i'm working for myself i have these clients and then suddenly there was a recession so the businesses were closed um people didn't have money so all the projects that i was expecting they were sliding to decline because simply that was not the good time. So I had to go back to employment. So that was kind of one of the challenges I had to overcome is that my expectations didn't happen. And actually it it happens a number of times that I uh, worked for myself, things were going well, then things would not work out so well. And I had to go back into into full-time employment. And I did it a few times before, before actually making it happen. So it was not, uh, something I I did. I didn't quit. I just had to take a pause. Let's put it this way.
0: Mm, I like that. Yes. You had to take a pause, but I also appreciate the fact that, you know, in, in that story, there's an element of, um, of grit, right. Of continuing you, there was something that you wanted to get to, you wanted to accomplish that. And although the road there wasn't linear, right? You were paving your own, uh, your own basically path towards it. You knew the objective. It sounded like you knew where you wanted to get to it's, it's just the matter in which you arrived kept changing each time. And I really, I really like that story because I think that can resonate with many of us in terms of sometimes when we want to make something come true, especially in terms of, 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 of our profession or professionally, we often think that from from point A to point B is a linear road, when in fact it's quite the contrary. And I think your your story is a great example of that. I love the way that you would come back to it kind of um, you know, to to recollect or maybe uh, you know, replan, redesign whatever it's going to be for the next time. And then you would attempt it again. Would there be anything different? that you would do now in retrospect, now that you think about the journey, would there be anything that you would do differently thinking back of of those changes or those career moves? I'm very
1: grateful for the experiences that I had. And uh, if they didn't happen, if those challenges were not on my path, I wouldn't be the person I am today. Mm. so kind of in one way i of course i can think of many ways how i could do things better how i could be more efficient how i could have achieved things faster if i had this knowledge back then that i have now but if that didn't happen i wouldn't be where i am right now so i you know irrespectively I i can't Change things, and I probably don't want to change things because I I don't know you know who who will I be if 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 that didn't happen. And to to go back on the point that you mentioned, it's like I knew where I wanted to be, but I want to maybe tell you where I want to be in, in a way and why I kept going, why I didn't quit the um, translation and continued person career in in uh, IT and engineering. And yet I was actually doing quite well. I was in a well-paid job, first kind of uh, being a web developer, software developer, then moving into uh, software and then moving into localization testing. And that was in a really high demand. So I was getting paid and I was quitting, saying, I want to work for myself. And I was offered even more money, but I kept going back to uh, working on my business. And while I was doing that, i want to tell you know a story that happened to me earlier while I was uh, working as a freelancer. you know that the pivoted moment that happened in my life was the realization of the influence of interpreter so mm-hmm. uh, I'll, I'll i'll tell you how it happened is you know when when i was interpreting for two people talking to to each other you know whether it's um you know an individual trying to get access to local services speaking to whether to a doctor or or it's a court hearing and and I actually noticed that when my mood changed, when my, uh, let's say, uh, the, the energy levels changed, I could actually influence on the outcomes of the conversation. So if I was down, if I was tired, the conversation didn't really have the, enough energy, even though I was translating it perfectly, you know, I was doing a good job as an interpreter. But on the energy, on the mood level... I actually was feeling the differences. And when I was kind of doing a better job there, I actually realized that the outcomes for two people for whom I were interpreting, they actually gained more. So I actually felt that as an interpreter, it's it's not true to say that interpreter is just kind of an empty vessel who is who is just kind of pouring water from one side to another. That's not the case. We actually can change the color of that water. We can change taste of that water, you know, and that's the analogy I like sometimes to bring in. Uh, when it, and explaining how interpreters work, it's like we're that glass we're pouring, but we can add quality to it that hasn't been present. And and then I kind of let's put it this way: graduated uh, the, on of the uh, on the ranks of the interpreter, and I started interpreting for government meetings, uh what two ministers talking to each other, like the minister of uh Russia coming in and, and meeting with one of the TDs in Ireland, or it could be. Uh, you know, uh, a senior banker and uh, top executives of a company discussing a big deal. And I actually realized I could influence that conversation too. So now, a uh, one person interpreter is not just helping a conversation between two people, but it's actually helping a conversation between leaders of two countries. That's essentially two countries talking to each other. And that's what I realized that I would like to make their understanding. So my kind of mission would be to promote understanding whether it's two people or it's two world leaders is actually making them understand each other. And that kind of became my mission and then the mission for the company is promoting the understanding, removing the language barrier.
0: Oh my gosh, I totally love that the interpreter has influence and, and I feel like uh, you really just put it into perspective in terms of, you know, just a visual of being able to uh, identify the actual role of the interpreter and you put it in such great words. Um, I really love that. Thanks for sharing that. Uh,
1: There is another quote that uh, one of your guests is, uh, has used in his presentations was Evandro. Mahalis I listened to, to his podcast and interview that you did uh, not so long time ago. And he's this quote, and I love it myself. It's a quote by Margaret Atwood. War is what happens when language fails. And when you can add it to what I just said, that, you know, when there's two countries talking to each other and the language has failed, we could have a war. So interpreters have such, a you know, a, not, not just the influence, but responsibility to make sure that the language is not Lost because that could actually lead to misunderstanding, and that could lead to the wars between the countries. And that's kind of when I realized that I want to continue this. I want to 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 take it with my business, then through through the interpreters that would be working for us, and kind of passing that to the rest of the world. That it's you know we as an interpreters have huge responsibility, and we could actually influence the peace in the world. We could actually promote the understanding.
0: Absolutely. And when you have such a clearly defined objective, I can see why you kept insisting on going towards it because it's, it's, it's so powerful, you know, and it's so clearly defined. And You mentioned it as well, even for the interpreters that are currently working with you, they can identify with such a strong and powerful mission that I feel absolutely it makes the interpreter consider themselves, you know, a unique individual and in a unique role that actually has influence to use your word in the work that they are doing and the output or the outcome of whatever it is that you know they're being they're involved in. So that's it's so beautifully put. Thank you so much for having shared that. Alex, I'd like to get into a little bit now about your biggest highlight. So we talked about your biggest challenge, which is So great, because it it really identifies, you know, in terms of uh, what sets the stage in terms of, you know, how how you continue your work, um, you know, the challenges that you face ultimately improve who you are and the approaches that you'll take. But what about your biggest highlight of your career? Would you say up until this point, you felt has been uh, something that you're just most proud of?
1: Okay. Well, there have been many little wins. Uh, I I think I I haven't reached, let's say, the the highlight of the career. It's it's like today when I look back of the things of the achievements that uh, uh, I had personally and that uh, my company had. I, I actually. Kind of look at them now from this position is they were just a small stepping stones that I'm still on this journey. But something that, you know, we are proud of is, you know, the, my company already had two acquisitions and we raised uh, we raised uh, a pre-seed round to build the product. So actually, you know, uh, kind of going outside of the language service provider agency model and turning into... A software company that is uh, something that we realize that without technology uh, you know we we can't continue and that's where the world is going and the language industry was kind of uh, catching up from the let's say translation point of view there is a lot of technology going from translation but the interpreting uh sector has been slightly lagging behind in terms of technology in my opinion and kind of get into a stage where we are now adding our own technology building, that, that's, that's something that I think was, was a really game changer for Translate. That in the at the end of 2018, we raised the investment and we started building our own product. And that's when when, the, when it became much more fun, I would say, and tangible.
0: Yeah. And actually this is a great moment to talk about how you basically brought those two uh, worlds together. You know, you're, you're the two things that you mostly interested you and that you love the most, which was language and technology. Let's get into, uh, technology in the language field how did you bring about these two worlds together? Well
1: there, there was a problem uh, on the market in in, in, in my opinion that uh, we were trying to solve well first of all as a, as a as a language service provider it took us so much time to organize uh, interpretation bookings you know the interpreter could take only for half an hour or an hour a client would dream, our managers would go through the database, read so many people. Somebody would say yes, somebody would say no. Some people would respond with it. like. It just took so much of human labor and actually wasted time of interpreters, wasted time of translation uh, of project managers, uh, client having to wait, and then uh, just for half an hour, one hour of, of interpretation time. So uh, I was on, on, a, on a mission to build a software that would kind of streamline the process of booking, scheduling, and management and, and doing it on a on a platform level because when you look at it this way every industry had some sort of marketplace we had uber who disrupted the taxi industry then there's this food delivery companies but for the interpreters it's still pe- uh, clients would have to rein Agency to book an interpreter, or they would would go to uh, the likes of Fiverr, which would be okay for translations, but wouldn't be okay for interpreters. So there hasn't been really a place that somebody would go centrally and look for interpreter. So I said, you know, why wouldn't we solve that problem? We would we would spend less time. Uh, manage an interpreting book, it's processing, and give a client access to a pool of interpreters that they could actually choose from themselves. And we kind of, you know, and that's what, uh, when we started working on translate.com, which is essentially booking, scheduling, and and a marketplace of interpreters. And we already have 2,700 users of it. So that that was the first technology that we came out with. But the timing when we launched it just happened in kind of November 2019, just before pandemic. Mm. So, Uh, we build it with intention that all those on-site bookings that would happen between individuals and interpreters just for small assignments, that clients could save money and interpreters could work directly kind of removing the agency for those small projects that agencies wouldn't even be interested in, to be honest. Mm -hmm. But the on-site interpretation was halted when pandemic happened. So all interpreters were sent home. So our kind of platform for the purpose it was built wasn't really needed at that time because everybody was was uh, sitting at homes and and lockdown so those meetings didn't happen so straight away we realized that our interpreters are home we are home there's is, there's is not nothing's going on what do we do so we said okay well let's pivot let's build a technology that is now in demand which is remote interpretation and we started working on translate rsi and within kind of 6 months uh of beginning from march to about uh late autumn 2020 we already had a prototype and uh we were testing it and official launch took in january 2021 so you know we launched the new product in a short space of time because that's what the world was going to
0: isn't that amazing i always find that so incredible that You know, unless we're put in in this situation, uh, and this goes for anything where you have no other way out but, you know, a specific direction. In this case, coming up with something that could help become a a solution to the problem. Like you mentioned earlier, right? You wanted to solve a problem with the whole booking industry. and, And now you're faced in this situation, and still you come to a point where you decide, we're going to solve or help solve this issue. We, we become um, part of the solution instead of part of the problem. And I find that so fascinating that an individual or a company is able to take, I don't want to use the word advantage necessarily, but be able to leverage the moment and transform it. You know, it disrupts the world in some way, but I also feel like it disrupts the mind in a way that you come up. With new technology uh, or new advances, you know, or new responses to what many people could look at as a closed door as this is it, you know, we're, we're through, we're going to have to sit and wait while others are just, you know, their wheels are churning. And I find that so amazing and so incredible that in such a short period of time, you and your company were able to uh, not just create one uh, uh, new technology opportunity, but two, which is Amazing. <laughs> I really I really love that. And I really love your story. And, and, I, and I'm so glad that, you know, you, you had the opportunity here to be able to share it with our listeners. I'd also like to ask you, Alex, because, you know, you've mentioned earlier that you go uh, in terms of being able to start a new whenever you had a new idea and then you'd go back to employment. But then you'd, you'd go out and, and launch again What would you recommend to someone that is considering becoming an entrepreneur? If you can think of any specific roadblocks to watch out for, and maybe not even necessarily roadblocks, but just a general recommendation for someone that is interested in becoming an entrepreneur.
1: Well, I would say it's uh, hard work. Uh, It's it's something that could be expected, but uh, before hard work, uh, a person has to love what they're doing, and they have to know why they're doing. So the question is what I like to do and why I would continue doing it. A person has to answer these two questions before before beginning to work hard Mm -hmm. because without a goal, without a reason to be doing it, Without enjoying it, everything else kind of doesn't matter. I mean, if it's only for money, then at some stage a person would realize it's it lacks like substance. It doesn't bring joyness. It doesn't it doesn't kind of feed in the soul of that person. So they, the person would quit. But if it's something that comes from heart and and a person can answer themselves honestly why they want to do it, then there is no point even starting. So the entrepreneurship has to start from from passion. It has to start from something that a person loves to do, wants to do, or something that bothers them and they want to fix that.
0: That is such great advice. I love that. Yeah. Otherwise it lacks substance. I like that so much. What new or future projects are you currently working on that you'd like to share on this platform?
1: Well, we 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 continue working on improving Translate RSI, which is essentially a remote simultaneous uh, platform. And what I would like to do is actually merge two technologies together. My my goal and ambition is to to make a complete ecosystem of of interpreting. And by ecosystem, I mean that there is booking and scheduling element. There is you know making payments easier for interpreters and freelancers. It's it's a challenge that still hasn't been fully solved. There is this payment processors. Revolut, World First, you name them. But there's still countries where interpreters can't get paid. And we we were looking at third world countries, for example. Many people still don't have access to financial services. Now we have the cryptocurrency coming up. So what my intention is to have all those little pieces of the puzzles. So, you know, a very easy and smooth experience for the client to make a booking without having to, you know, having to go through so many iterations with uh, the managers and quotation, you know, a very pleasant client experience that's on, on the front side of things. Then efficient communications and notification to interpreters where there is no need to be contacting 20 people to get just one interpreter book, because the nine interpreters would have to respond, waste their time, waste the time of the project manager essentially. So, you know, that notification system, paying the interpreters at the end of the day and given the experience that a client could, could do it over the phone, could do it over the video, could do it in person, could do it remotely or any location. So, you know, the, the complete ecosystem, that's where Translate is going to be. And we're just going to keep adding those technology elements as part of this ecosystem. So it's a continuous process. I'm not sure when we're going to get there. But in terms of short, uh, a short roadmap that that is there for the development. I mean, we will be adding video remote interpretation, we'll be adding uh, OPI over the phone interpretation, and we will be merging the booking scheduling with the actual automated process. That's kind of the initial uh, stage. Uh, other plans, we would be releasing white label versions of the software for, for other language service providers who would like to use it for their clients. So, what what Translate would like to do at some stage? We want to s- step back as a and service provider clients and become the tech company who would be supporting clients, interpreters, and professionals with, with our technology and ecosystem. So we want to give this to, to the rest of the world as professionals to be using this technology in a way.
0: Lots of great stuff. Thank you so much for having shared that. Alex, before we wrap up, where can our listeners find out more about you and the work that you do? Uh,
1: you can visit uh, our website, which is uh, That's That will talk about the company and the services that we do. For those who are interested to check our booking and scheduling platform, please visit translate.com. And uh, from there, you could you could find uh, you could find us on social media. We have a very good blog that we regularly post articles to, and you know connect with me on, on LinkedIn. I'm very open. I like uh, networking. I like sharing my views and opinions with fellow interpreters and uh, industry peers. And uh, for the, the interpreting is is the, the the focus of translate just to leave. You and and your listeners is that you know many agencies kind of we say we are translation and interpreter translate is interpreting first that's kind of our core that's our strength that's our focus and what we are actually doing we're organizing our first ever conference uh, it's called Interpretant Insights. So it's organized by interpreters for interpreters. What we would like to do is share some new perspective. And we are adding uh, psychological, uh, psychology to it, and we are adding trainings that uh, that wouldn't be popular among the typical interpreter trainers. So it, it goes beyond technology. It goes beyond just skills, and it talks about mental areas. It talks about, uh, you know, I'm going to give you a little bit of sneak peek. We're going to talk about, acting and how acting actually is important, you know, that connects with the point I mentioned before that interpreter who knows how to act well would generate better outcomes. So we will be talking about things that aren't obvious and aren't often talked, but in our opinion, they're as important as having a technical skill than us. So we would like to invite interpreters who would like to upskill themselves and like learn. It's free to attend. So there is no Payment required. We're going to have about seven uh, topics or presentations. So if you visit our Eventbrite page, uh, you would find more information there.
0: How wonderful! We'll be looking out for that, and the fact that we get a sneak peek here on the Brand the Interpreter podcast, I love it. I think that's something that you know what, what's fascinating me about um, you know this this conference of yours is the fact that you're going beyond the skill set which is not something that typically you know we're able to see in one location like centralized we can find him bits you know bits here and bits there for the interpreter, for the language professional and being able to find maybe a course in one conference. And then we wait another year and we find a course in another conference. So the fact that you're bringing it all together in one hub, that's exciting. And so I'm hoping that for those of us that are out here on the U S side, we're able to attend, um, you know, if not all of them able to attend, uh, most of them, because I, I'm, I imagine it's going to be, your time zone out there correct
1: it's 11am to 5pm so so the second half would would fall into kind of a us time zone
0: the second half yeah so uh, hoping i'm hoping a lot of those courses that are on that second half are going to be something that you know we can all jump in and be able to take part of that that would be amazing Alex, it has been such a wonderful opportunity to be able to uh, have a conversation with you, to uh, talk a little bit about your background and your childhood, uh, and talk a little bit about you know your your company and uh, your journey towards it. And I think that you know now that it's all come together that it feels like. You know, you've you've finally been able to put those two things that you really enjoy together in the service of others and in helping uh, interpreters. And and those that are receiving the service as well, and the way in which you see things of the interpreter being able to influence the dynamic of that conversation. Uh, I think it's just great insight to get to know uh, Alex Chernenko a little bit more from Translate and what Translate is all about. So uh, you heard a mention here where you can find a little bit more information on Translate and on Alex. Is there anything else? You would like to leave our guests with Alex. Well, I
1: hope I hope today was interesting and enjoyable. It's it's uh, it's quite a, a lot of time when you look at today's fast pace, but I hope that some of the things that we shared uh, would be of a value to to the listeners. And I would like just to give to leave you with one thing, you know, pursue your passions, basically. Just 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 go with with what you love doing and and put a little bit of work in it. And it should lead to results. There is no other way. If you love what you do and you put work into it, it just can't not work.
0: I love that. So get to work. (laughs) Thank you, Alex, so much. I really appreciate your time and, uh, you know, you being willing to share your story on this platform and we'll be in touch.
1: Great. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure.
0: Absolutely. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, Alex. And in case you didn't catch the details of that conference, that will be taking place on Wednesday, May 26th, 2021. Uh, from 3 to 9 p.m pacific standard time it is a free event and you can find it on eventbrite and the title of the conference is interpreting insights i'll make sure to include the links on the episode notes so make sure to check them out there as well All right, guys, that's all I have for you today. Thank you so much for joining me once again on another episode of the Brand the Interpreter podcast, where I love sharing your stories about our profession. Thank you so much. Till next time. Hey, thanks for sticking around till the very end. If you'd like to connect with me, head on over to the website, brandtheinterpreter.com and click on the Connect With Me tab. You can also stay connected on social media, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube as Brand the Interpreter or Mireya Perez on LinkedIn. Till next time.